How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me tonight is the Chief Inspector, Brenda McAlinden, uh, the Commissioner, Podcast Legend, Jude Seymour, still out, work-related, illness-related. Uh, say your prayers, eat your vitamins uh, for our good friend, Jude. Uh, he's just, he's busy, man. It's, it's a busy, busy week for him. Uh <laughs> but we've dropped the ball on this. We should have recorded this on our drive home as it was. Uh, but Brendan, a few days after uh, Notre Dame's 35-14 win over Clemson, I mean, fuck it, man. Let's, let's not even beat around the bush. Let's jump right into it. How you feeling, man? I'm feeling absolutely uh, ecstatic. I'm feeling about as, as good as you can possibly feel uh, coming off a win against the number four ranked team in the nation in a game which you dominated from beginning to end. So yeah, man, I'm immaculate vibes. Just I, yeah, in my wildest vibes. dreams, in my wildest dreams, I could not have scripted that up any better. It had everything I wanted. And no, everything. And more. It, it was, it was amazing. Um, it was, so I guess let's, let's rewind it all the way to the beginning. And by the beginning, I mean, I got up there later than I would have liked to have. It was that day. That the weather was absolutely insane. The wind. I know you come. You come down and and, and hook on to eighty ninety, right? Yeah, yeah. I come uh, uh, sixty nine and I, and I, and and I come up. up and hook on to eighty nine. Yeah, well, we should probably meet in Angola and uh, and do some outlet shopping before. <laughs> no kidding. Right, <laughs> hit up that time. Under Armour store and get some ankle breakers. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so I think it was Friday 
was it Friday? Friday. I don't. I think he, the album was was released then, but I had just noticed that uh, that Drake and Twenty One Savage dropped that uh, that new album out this week. So I bet I listened to Circle Loco, which is has got the uh, the Daft Punk um, one more time sample on it, maybe fifteen twenty times on the way to South Bend. I just could not get that vibe. I mean, I was just feeling it, man. And when you're driving like 90 down the turnpike with 60 mile an hour winds trying to push you off, you really just do feel like you're in a video game at that point and all is well with the world. So I'm hustling ass to get up to South Bend. It was kind of, it was a funny, odd day. Um, and you hit that wind and get up there. Brendan's been waiting for me. He's got the PBR ready to go. We're feeling the vibes. And then we started walking around campus and I, I was telling Brendan before we recorded I have nothing but regrets for this day because I didn't bring my good camera and didn't take a whole lot of photos or videos as it was. Honestly, I just soaked up, soaked it up all for my own selfish uh, needs. So I wasn't trying to get a whole bunch of content for the site uh, and stuff, although I should have been um, because this is a professional site. Very professional. Uh, but I just, I, there was such an odd vibe to it all. Like it was, it was warm, yet this cra- it's it's November. You got this crazy ass wind. Uh, it was moist in the air, yet no rain. And we were told, I mean, people kept thinking that this was going to be a Clemson takeover. Now, I think this podcast and and Brennan and I specifically, I think we were all, I think we pushed back on that pretty hard. I I know I did. I pushed back on the Clemson takeover pretty hard. It's not a September game. Um, you know, it's it, this is Clemson. It's not Georgia. Cincinnati was a September game. It was two hours away. Georgia, they they never leave the southeast. It was a whole different way to go about it. Yes, there'll be orange popping, uh, and the orange does pop. It, it it does make you feel like there's a lot more there. Um, but walking around campus, like Brendan pointed out to me pretty quickly, is like these Clemson fans don't look like they're having a good time. No, no, like, they the look wind, miserable. Like, they did. They looked miserable. Meanwhile, Notre Dame fans were as hyped as I've seen them, like legitimately across all across campus. Even, you know, you know, the tailgate lots for the most part, except for like when you're like playing, like maybe like Nevada or something like that. Tailgate, tailgate lots are usually choice. They're usually good. Vibes are always good. But even across campus, man, it was it was just solid. And you know, you started to pick up that vibe right there. I was like, something's going to happen tonight because everything feels really, really good. And I don't have that ominous thing in the back of my back of my neck. thinking that it's all going to crash down. It was, that's kind of how you were feeling too, right? Yeah. I mean, going into this game, I had no illusions that Notre Dame was going to win the football game. I just had too many questions about Drew Pine and I've watched enough Clemson to know that they're, Defensive line and defensive front seven specifically is premier, absolutely premier. And in all of these big games like this, just how many times have we seen it where um, great against great, the other team's great comes out on top. And I've seen it too many times where Notre Dame just has to abandon the run game because it's not working. And I've just been snake bit by that too many times going into the game, going into these sort of games and, uh, you know, in the DMs, I, I, I brought it up. I was like, I, I just, I'm just not feeling it. 
And as soon as I got on campus and actually it was before I even got on campus when I was making the drive down, like I just started to believe a little bit more. I was like, I was starting to, to, to justify things to myself. Like, you know, what, you know, the turnovers, um, you know, if, if Drew Pine can, they can limit the number of, um, you know, times he needs to pass. If the offensive line for the first time ever shows up and their name's able to run the football, they can, they can make a game of this. And when I got in there, um, you know, I'm driving, I'm driving, uh, you know, past the stadium and uh, right in front of O'Rourke's and I see the Clemson fans, they're all stocked up there. My first real view of it is a bunch of Clemson fans at O'Rourke singing their fight song. And I'm like, oh boy. But then I'm kind of like mulling around the, the lot waiting for you to show up. And, you know, you see the orange and it pops, but there's a, there's a pretty good amount of green there. And I look at the Clemson fans and they're not, you know, even when we were going to the, uh, the cow game, we even had the cow fan come up and talk to us and, uh, right. Leaned into the game. And, you know, when you see opposing fans there, you know, they're taking in the sights and, and they're doing all that stuff. And you're just looking at these Clemson fans and they're bundled up. They look miserable. Um, they're just expecting, they looked like they were, uh, doing their, uh, due diligence. They were, they were there for the moment, but they just expected a dub and they didn't look happy to be there. They didn't expect much of a game. And um, if I was a Clemson fan and I made that drive up and having to sit the weather, uh, you didn't get much of a game, Clemson. You you didn't. No, no, no. You know, and we will definitely get to that. But yeah, the uh, it was just it, look. It was it was the day. It was just hours before the time change. I mean, it just there was just so much kind of like odd feeling about it all that you kind of wondered, you know how this game was going to go. I mean, I know that sounds silly, but I mean, like when you're there and you're doing, and you, you know, you're going, you're walking through campus and all that, all these things are coming through my mind. Like, like, you know, just kind of like people's body languages, how they're, how they're going about the business, watching the players and the player walk, how are they reacting? All those kind of stuff just kind of like added up to like, I was confident. I was extremely confident uh, going into, um, uh, before, you know, before we walked into, well, uh, we had sort of a serendipitous journey to there too. Cause you were, you know, we met up and, you know, I handed you the PBR and you're like, well, let's hit up the grotto first and then we can, you know, get our stuff. So we got our press passes and then we went toward the grotto and we just happened to stumble up to the uh, leprechaun rally. And he's up there talking about how he's talking to clash more Mike on the, the telephone or whatever. And, uh, we, we keep <laughs> walking and we just sort of like, happened to stumble upon just as the player walk happens and we just walk up and there we are front row right for the player walk as it's going through and just like everything <laughs> sort of lined up perfectly for us as we did that right oh yeah and i gotta say you got you got you guys don't understand like how how fucked up i am like it's so, <laughs> like to hang out with me my mind is like all over the map like it is, if you didn't know, like in the last year, I've had all sorts of testing. Some, some's, uh, some things that have been clicking well in the upstairs category for me. It's been awesome. So I'm all over the fucking map. And I, I say this cause this is funny. So we get down to the, we get down to the grotto. We do our thing. We go back. And instead of walking back the short route, which we should have been, cause there's no reason to walk. I just keep walking this long route across, like down from, from the grotto, basically down to the book. We almost, almost got to the bookstore. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, for no reason at all. Like I just, I'm, and I'm like just walking that way, and I'm thinking about Troy. So I, I thought about that yesterday. I'm like, ah, I gotta give Brendan a lot of credit. It's it's got to be pretty hard, like hanging out with me sometimes, and like how I jump from thing to thing to thing in my mind. As I, as I'm doing that, I'm just kind of like wandering into space, you know. Like I, if I, was, <laughs> and I didn't say I, I noticed it when we finally turned towards, uh, <laughs> towards the stadium. Brendan is when I was like, oh man, I probably shouldn't have walked us all the way over here. That's my bad. <laughs> well, I thought, for a minute, I was like, maybe we should, maybe we should get, pop into the bookstore real quick and and grab something and like. Oh hell right no! There. Hell no! No. Because no. we ended up coming back through uh, the front entrance, like we were, we crossed back in front of the the tailgate lot. Yeah, we walked twice as far as we needed to, basically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's, that was all me, just my mind yeah. going twenty different places at uh, at once. And, so yeah, it's it's hard to be with me. All right, if you guys think, oh man, maybe that'd be fun to hang out with Josh during a game, maybe, but sometimes probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would so, I mean, that would have been the route I would have uh, taken just because we are further taking in the sights <laughs> and the sounds of the whole atmosphere. And I think it, that it helped build toward the game, too, because once, once you get into the in, up into the press box, it, it becomes, you know, sterilized and a little bit, um, you know, a little vanilla up there. And just what are you, if not a man of the people and getting out there and walking amongst true, the crowd? True. And I don't I, I don't think anybody else on the beats doing that taking sort of the vibe of the campus is, is they're getting down there and, and looking at anything. Everybody else is just getting straight up there and getting to the food line. Um, you know, I, I think we got a pretty good feel. Which is for, and it was, yeah, um, it, it definitely did not in, and when you're an unranked team and you're facing the number four team team ranked in the country, um, a, a lot of times you might feel like there is, um, you know, almost like you're, you know, you're walking towards an execution um, and that was not the vibe on campus at all. No. And it, you know, that was strange because normally there's a tailgate or two we'd hit up, uh, whether it's pole three or, or my boy Donovan, um, just there's, uh, I was supposed to stop by the, 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 the tailgate with, uh, uh, with Lee Beckton and those guys, uh, Lisa had said something, I said, yeah, I'd swing by, um, and didn't hit any tailgates up at all. Um, which is unusual for me to say the least. Although speaking of the press box, I think I was probably as animated in the press box as I've ever oh, been. Uh, <laughs> On that black for, punt. Like, and, I think I got a bruise and on I, my arm. And I thought, about, I, I thought about it for a second. Like, it, you know, because everybody else is, you know, we're sitting we're sitting front row uh, for probably for that reason. And everybody else is behind us. And I'm just kind of chuckling to myself thinking, I'm animated as fuck. If somebody's seeing this, they're either laughing or rolling their eyes. Hopefully they're laughing. If they're rolling yeah. their eyes, they're a douchebag. Uh, <laughs> I mean, directly <laughs> I, I, behind I, at us. At that point, I got to tell you, I got to tell you at that point, I really didn't give a shit. I didn't yeah. care about any of it. I didn't care about the Clemson riders on the other, uh, sitting over oh. by us. I didn't, I didn't care about any of that shit. I did not fucking care. Uh, the only thing I cared about was open those fucking windows up. Yeah. They only had the two windows up in the press box. One of them was above Could've us. Could have used a couple more. I do, I do appreciate that. I mean, I do did appreciate that, but I think a couple more, the weather was good. It wasn't going to kill anybody. And honestly, I'm not, the rest of the press corps is wanting it too. Like nobody's not wanting to have that. People want the stadium vibe in there. Nobody wants that 
No one well, needs it to be super quiet. <laughs> and we could, and the reason we knew they were Clemson guys, by the way, is because um, for the first time ever, uh, every Clemson beat reporter is decked out in orange and Clemson gear. Like, you know, you couldn't find, you couldn't, <laughs> like Josh is wearing his empty socks. I had my Rise and Strike shirt on underneath my, uh, my uh, you know, button up. But like the Clemson writers are just, oh, I mean, I, 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 I wear a classy, I, I wear a classy V-neck sweater. Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, I just, I mean, I, I'll wear, I'll rock the colors, I suppose, but the orange just sticks out, it sticks out everywhere. It sticks out in a crowd, it sticks out in a press box. There's no way yep. around it. I wonder if uh, Rittenberg was sitting behind us uh, up on the row above. I wonder if he was looking down and seeing you just like fist pumping. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I thought about that too. I thought how fun. Cause I, I've been pretty good. I've been pretty good at staying mostly reserved, silent fist pumps. No, it's, it's me. That's the that. one that's, uh, that usually a little bit more animated. Uh, you can, you can go ahead and find me on YouTube, uh, being a little bit animated on I the radio not, call. There's a lot of reasons why there's a lot of reasons why I gave less of a fuck Saturday night than normal. Uh, but the main one was cause I fuck it. Why would I care? It's clubs. And I, I do not care. Like I wasn't like I was shouting. Uh, but there was lots of big body movement uh, from a big body man. So whatever. No one cared. And you no, one said, was, no one, no no one, one had the balls anything. to say anything. Well, because, because I mean, <laughs> how many. I mean, would you, would you say anything to, to, to a 6'1", 260-pounder just flailing his body around? No, no. Probably, and, and like, who's going to say that? that in the biggest home game with crowd in attendance um, since 2005? Yeah. Right. I just, yeah, it was, uh, like I said, it was, <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was animated Saturday. I was, I mean, I was fucking feeling it. I mean, blame, blame Drake, blame 21 Savage, blame Daft Punk. Cause I mean, I was just fucking, I was in a zone. Uh, I was ready to go. Uh, well, I mean, great times. Uh, Go ahead well, and uh, speaking of yeah, greatness, I gotta, I gotta, yeah, I, we get gotta to get into the, some business before we move yeah, on. Get to the business before we we get into the game. All right, so we got uh, just remind everybody get on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. Any review that you leave, we will read on the podcast, word for word. And uh, looking for a certain kind of rating review. What are we what are we looking for there, Brendan? Uh, we are looking for those earned Benjamin Morrison five star reviews. <laughs> I know you love that pick. Benjamin Morrison and Julia Love together. The earned oh, five stars. Earned five stars. Absolutely. Fucking fucking Kirk Herbstreet leaving him off his players of the week. Like ask your kids about Benjamin Morrison, you bastard. Yeah. How I do you leave him off? I got I got home at uh one thirty air quotes because it was two thirty, but the the time change. And I put I pop on college football final and it's just getting to the end where they're giving out their helmet stickers. And I don't see a Notre Dame helmet up there, but I see it sort of like peeking back. And I was like, oh, well, th- there's where Benjamin Morrison's going to get his. Uh, and they pulled Notre Dame up for the team uh, helmet sticker. And I was like, you're not even going to say the man's name. Man goes out there and has the, the, the single greatest performance by any cornerback in college football this season. And you're not going to give say his name. Get the fuck out of here. Say, say his name. Say his fucking name. Benjamin Morrison. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. God, isn't it not? 
Uh, so yeah, that's what we're looking for over here. And, uh, so let's get into it here. I got one here from spec 34, eight, uh, professional pod <clears throat> five stars. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is by far my favorite ND pod. And I listen to them a lot. Missed Jude today, but Josh and Brendan pulled out a win. Great chemistry between all three of you. Let's fucking go beat Clemson. They will leave their guts in South Carolina. They sure uh, did. That was prophetic there, Spectre 348, because they fucking did. They, they did. left their guts. They left their balls. Uh, they left everything there. Um, this one here from Sherpler. Five stars. Pure entertainment. Most of the time, these guys sound like the frat bros I would have talked college football with back in my glory days. That's a good thing. Tune in each week for Jude's actually comments, Josh's rants, and to find out why every Notre Dame opponent is hot trash from Brendan. (laughs) (laughs) The segment on placing bets is my favorite because I always just do the opposite when Josh says, I guarantee you. Keep up the good work, guys. Hey, man, I've had a pretty good season. My guarantees have been like... Well, I'm yeah, like seven percent well, of my guarantees. Well, uh, this this week <laughs> it was a little rough. Uh, I went over on the week. Uh, I think you went one for five with uh, your ND pick being the lone, <laughs> the lone dub. It was a crazy weekend <laughs> of college football. And uh, I, I'll say it now before before uh, we we move on. We will no longer be picking the Big Twelve um, in the college football picks segment. <laughs> that's uh, that, that's that's smart. I mean that's. That's a good, that's a smart, that's a business decision uh, for us. Uh, Trash comments. Next one here. I got uh, from Nat SNY 85 professional podcast. Five stars. Did I go on a rant in the last podcast about this being professional? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, we are, we're very professional. Uh, this is a uh, five stars. Benjamin Morrison. Yes. Love the pods, y'all. Defense played lights out tonight. Great game by the Irish defense. We deserve to be in the top 25 now, if not top 15. Love y'all for the insight. Can't wait for the Clemson win pod. Oh, by the way, estimate is five stars. Yeah, that's, there's all sorts of five-star action going on there. Yeah. And uh, I thank you. can't argue with any of those five stars. <clears throat> no, no, that's uh, it all works for me. Um, and then the final one here uh, goes to the the MVP of this podcast who not only left the review himself, but got on his wife's phone and left a separate review, uh, which was the same thing, but he used his wife's to give us a rating and review and also DM'd Brendan with this exact review. So, uh, whoever you are, we like ND KD, KDR 2130, Kevin, uh, you are the MVP of this podcast. And, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, so I'm just going to read, I'm going to read the, the one that, uh, that he got here uh, because he did say the one he's like, took my wife's phone to post this, which everybody should be doing. Take your, take your husband's phone, your wife's phone, your boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, well, whoever, however, whatever your sexual preference is, take the other person's phone, download, uh, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. Just, just do it because you're cool. Uh, but this one here from Kevin, great pod with balanced perspectives from all three hosts, Josh and Jude going back and forth makes my week. But Brendan with his fire memes is pod MVP, despite his dumpy microphone. Brendan's got the most expensive microphone of all three of us. (laughs) 
This podcast is a vital part of my Notre Dame fanhood. Never change, fellas. Also, they should bring back real grass. The green jerseys are perfection, and they should add a shamrock to the helmets for them. Also, also, my wife just said that Iowa State looks like a bag of Doritos. Matt Campbell can shove it. Go Irish. (laughs) You know, what I love about Iowa State looking like a bag of Doritos, by proxy, that means USC looks like a bag of Doritos as well. (laughs) I mean, they have the same jersey, right? They just have a better looking version of the USC jersey. They've had better results in the field uh, over the last hundred years. Uh, Maybe not in the last 20 years. Uh, or the last 10 years anyways, that's a, well, that, that'll leave something interesting moving forward. USC is a bag of Doritos. Let's see, let's see kind of madness. I can twist into that. Uh, all right. Thanks again for those reviews, guys. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. All right. So now that we covered, uh, you know, driving in the wind and walk, just wandering around campus, like a bunch of nomads, uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> press box antics. Uh, let's get into while we're all here and let's talk about Notre Dame's 35, 14 win over Clemson and Holy shit. You guys like this. I mean, I, should we expect this? <clears throat> yes, we should. What's great is seeing that video of Brian Mason before the game. Like they didn't, you know, they, they posted it yesterday, whatever it was. But telling his team, look, I watched them in pregame. They're going to do this and that. Like, this is a special teams coach, y'all. This guy is out there looking, digging, clawing for every angle there is for his pump block unit, which is a bunch of fucking gladiators, to go out and get everything and anything that they can. And, dude, right off the bat. So, no name's first drive. Uh was it five yards, 19, five plays, 19 yards, pump the ball. What was it? It ended with a Drew Pine uh, batted down pass. Am I right, Brennan? Was that what no, you no, no. It ended with uh, it ended with a sack. Miles Murphy. Get, Miles Murphy got I'm gonna, I'll mix up some of the batted down. Yeah, yeah. The sack, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it, but it it still looked like they gained yards. I, I, I know this sounds silly, but it wasn't a three and out, and so I consider that an automatic win. Like I didn't really care what they did, but a three and out was was absolutely not needed. Like, you know, you only got 19 yards. Okay, well the wind's going crazy. We're getting a feel. They pump the ball. Clemson gets it, and it was just like automatically you knew something was different. Two well, flags on Clemson right up, right off the jump on their first drive. Right, that was. I mean the 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 hold the holding calls uh, definitely were bit. It just you could tell that Clemson offensively looked out of sorts from the very start of the game. Um, and and on that Notre Dame initial first, I mean it was a little prophetic, but um, the line still was moving because they had they ran what four four plays or uh, five plays, and they got ten yards rushing on it. Um, if you remove the the Drew Pine sack, I mean the line was holding their own. It, w- it wasn't one of those deals where they were just getting stuffed at the line, even on that initial drive. And and I felt pretty good about that. And then with Clemson, when they were doing their thing, um, right, they were just moving backwards. They moved backwards well, for for almost well, they their started, entire drive. They attacked that edge like 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 they thought there was something there. Right, and it will we'll get to that. I have a lot of reasons. I have a lot to say about that, but they thought there was something there 
on the edge where it looked like a, a they took it right out of Charlie Weiss's playbook. Like, like just get the ball is what we were screaming about last week. Like get the ball out, you know, to the edge and see what they can do. Uh, and it just wasn't there for him. Like Notre Dame, you could tell on that first, that very first defensive series, Notre Dame came to play. They came to tackle and to be physical. The defense matched the physicality of the offensive line. And I mean, we haven't been able to say that, uh, you know, very much this year, but it was, it was instant and it was noticeable right off the bat that Notre Dame was there to play physical play, um, not, not just mistake free, but play sound football, like to tackle well, to score. Yeah, the tackling was huge. And, you know, a yeah. lot of a lot of it reminded me of um, how Notre Dame played early on in the Ohio State game where they were willing to concede, yes. Yes. Um, you know, completion percentage. But nothing was nothing was pat, nothing was being completed past the sticks. Right. They 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 kept things in front. Right. Um just it, it was very similar. Like, you get, like you're going to get this, but you're going to you're going to hurt. Yeah, you're going to hurt. And they tackled just it, it. I mean, it was a game for J.D. Bertrand. Um, and yeah, yeah. Which we'll, I'm going to bring him up, too, because I thought that was funny. Funny as hell. Uh, how, how that all worked out. Uh, but Notre Dame gets Clemson off the field. And I mean, just, just like out of the script, like this is like the most movie type thing. Especially now that you know that Brian Mason was talking about it right off the bat, you know, in the locker room before the game, they're going to get lines up with their pump block warriors. Jordan Botello gets, gets his hands on it, pops up in the air, gets to a Prince Khali, which I, which you could have, I don't know if you could have picked a better person defensively to get this, right? Because this is a guy that Notre Dame fans have been like, just dying for him to like be do something well. Yeah. Cause we want to, we all just want to love Prince Khali. Yeah, we, we just want to love him. Like, like, we're just waiting for him to do some good things so we can just, you know, we can love the shit out of him. Takes it. I mean, it was just an easy 10, 12-yard 10, jaunt uh, on into the end zone. Notre Dame's up 7 nothing right off the bat. And Brian Mason is going berserker on the sidelines. And there's a great so, shot of him, like, fist pumping with Marcus Freeman looking over at him with this giant I love you smile. And it was just – it's – it was fantastic. Has, like it, so of all of the assistant coaches and coaches and transplants from the University of Cincinnati that Notre Dame has had over the years, which has been many, uh, as Cincinnati is a Notre Dame feeder school, Brian Mason, low key, might be the best of all of them. Marcus Freeman included, Brian Kelly included, as far as their oh, impact. He, it's just, it is wild. Can you get a special teams coach nominated for the Broyles award? How do we do this? Uh, well, I don't know, but it should be the campaign because think of the impact. The impact is immeasurable. Like the, the, it set the, that punt block set the tone for the whole game. It set the tone for the crowd for the rest of the game because it, it put Notre Dame in a spot where you get easy points and you do it in a way that like it makes Clemson because it it just makes them unsure. It, it puts them behind and it starts forcing the issue for them. And then on that next drive that Clemson immediately gets right afterwards, I, you know, y- your sphincter starts to clench because you're like, OK, well, this is it. Right. Notre Dame gets the early points and then so Clemson's going to answer. And then suddenly it's seven to seven because we've seen that a million times. 
And that's how it was looking when, um, you know, Shipley gets the 13 yard run and you're like, well, is this going to be it? Is, is Shipley going to start to to cook? And Notre Dame immediately closes in, closes that out. And they're like, nope, I think they got to the, the 43 and then Notre Dame immediately, uh, DJ tries to, to, <clears throat> you know, four yard, four yard loss on a pass. Um, and then, you know, DJ hits for five yards, but it's, or for nine yards out of bounds, but it's, it's fourth and they got a punt or, uh, they don't punt. They go, they go for fourth and then they, uh, they get stopped on the fourth down and suddenly Notre Dame takes over again with, with good field position. And you're like, okay, they weathered that initial storm, which we've seen all, you know, time and time again, um, you know, a, a team answers, I guess, uh, you know, a friend of the pod and, uh, you know, Frank from UHND is always like every time Notre Dame scores, the other team answers them. And this was an instance where they didn't and Notre Dame was able to flip the field. And I think that flipping the field and was a story in this game. I think the, the average starting right was enormous. The average uh, starting uh, spot for for both teams was enormous because Clemson was consistently behind the twenties. Right, and it was just it was it was something that was hand in hand uh, the way the offensive, defense, and special teams were working together. Like Clemson couldn't do shit offensively. Like, look, they only had one three and out all night long, which is um, kind of amazing when you think about how inept their offense uh, well, truly was. Look, Clemson got one hundred and fifty. Clemson had 150 yards. Yeah. Clemson had 150 yards in their final two drives, uh, which were, which were touchdown drives, you know, in, in garbage time, 150 yards. Well, they only had 281 total for the game. Yeah. So before those 150 yards, I mean, 130 yards of offense before those last two drives, that's how, I mean, it's just, it's stunning. First of all, but it's really Notre Dame's defense was just handed to them. And it wasn't like Notre Dame offensively was not doing. They were, I mean, it wasn't like they were lights out, you know, what was going on and what was really kind of fun to watch. Um, it sounds insane. Cause they, you know, they weren't getting, they weren't getting long drives. And they weren't getting scores out of it, but what Notre Dame was doing was they were like, all right, they're getting five, six, seven plays. Um, they're moving the ball on the ground and then they're punting it and they're putting them back there. They're putting Clemson in a terrible position. Like, they can't really do anything. They're putting it back. It's just kind of like an inch and inch and inch and inch. And so Notre Dame's next, to, you know, it was seven, nothing. And we're talking like what? Six minutes left, uh, in the, uh, the half in the half and it's seven, nothing. Notre Dame gets the ball. Notre Dame gets the ball back. And then they put together an 11 play 78 yard drive, which was just, it was 10 runs and one pass. Yeah. And, and what was the one pass? Second, they, they, one that he could have, could have been a touchdown if, if Pine just follows yeah. Mayer into the end zone. Right. Instead yeah. he flips it to him, and, which, is, which is fine. But I'm t- the whole time I'm chuckling, thinking if Pine just tucks this thing, he's got man-on-man blockers in front of him plus a free blocker in Mayer. That's a touchdown right there. So it was, it was karma. That end up getting Drew that Pine got yeah. his Tommy Rees moment. Yeah, yeah, it just it worked out so great. Yeah, I mean they were just Notre Dame came came to beat the shit out of Clemson, period. And every play 
That offensive line was putting in work. I mean, Joe all, I mean, Tommy Reese deserves a ton of credit because what should you do? You need to just, at this point, Drew, uh, Drew Pine is who he is. And people call him for Steve Angeli is just silly. He is what he is. And so this is what we're going to do. And what Notre Dame is going to do is just be brutally be- beautiful about going out there and lining up with fucking three tight ends. I mean, it's just, they're going out there full power football and just run it down people's throats. Like just, we're going to run it right up the gut. We're going to get eight yards. We don't care about the edge. We don't care about breaking a long run. Uh, Notre Dame's longest run all season has been like 12, 13 yards. They're just going to run it up the gut. Just run it up the gut and just keep on doing that, doing that, and doing that on the field. That is demoralizing. And here's the and rushing. The here's like the rushing. Who should be stopping that? They should be because they have arguably one of, I, I mean, outside of Georgia, they have the best front seven in college football. That is not up for debate. They have probably three NFL potential first round NFL players in that front seven. Like this, this is this is not Notre Dame dunking on an uh, on a team that is um, ranked high because they just happen to be you know undefeated to this point in the season. It, it's it's not like they're playing a Big Twelve opponent. They're playing a Clemson team that has legitimate NFL players on that front seven. And on that drive that we mentioned that started with 625 left in, in the half, they went Audrey Gastame, 13 yards up the middle. Chris Tyree, left side, 10 yards. Chris Tyree, three yards. Chris Tyree, four yards. Audrey Gastame, 11 yards. Audrey Gastame, five yards. Audrey Gastame, four yards. Audrey Gastame, two yards on third one, mind you. Drew Pine scrambling for 10. Then the Drew Pine pass to Mayer for 11, and then Drew Pine runs it in from five yards out for a touchdown. That is domination. And you burned in that amount of time over five minutes of clock in order to, 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 to put yourself in that position. Clemson gets the ball back with three, 32 seconds left, and DJU gets sacked by Foskey to end the half. I, I mean, I've never in my life of, of, of watching Notre Dame football. I mean, my memories of 93 are pretty hazy, but I cannot remember Notre Dame just absolutely bullying a team of this quality in the manner in which they did on the offensive line. Like I've seen Notre Dame bully some teams. Like I remember Boston college, you know, 2017. And, and, and I remember a lot of the, the, you know, 33 trucking stuff, but I, when when push came to shove and Notre Dame was playing against these top flight opponents, it uh, it never panned out like this. Yeah, it was. Uh, no, this was. It, it, I didn't care if Notre Dame went into the half at halftime up seven nothing or fourteen nothing. Obviously, fourteen nothing was ideal. But you just kind of just watching everything that happened. I did not have that same thing. Like, well, if they hang around, you're they're still going to, um, you know, there's still only one score away, or even one two or two scores away. Those that like Clemson could not do anything. Notre Dame was absolutely keeping everything in front of them. They they kept they were just tackling. They were tackling machines. I don't know. If Brendan asked me in the uh, halftime or third quarter, but you know, you know, hey, who's the MVP right now? And I'm like, fucking J.D. Bertrand. Because 
it was him that I thought I'm you're, you're out watching him tackle. He's making all these tackles, making all these plays and the physicality that he was bringing, bringing to the team out there. I just thought that that, that put on that everybody around him was feeding off of that, the way that he was playing. Uh, and it, you know, it went to the corners. I mean, Benjamin Morrison was, was you know, playing physical, uh, you know, the whole game as a freshman corner. I mean, the guy's not even physically developed yet, and he's out there playing about as physical as you can be as a corner. I just everything was everything was in sync. Everything was just you know moving along. So, and some of it too um, with the way that Notre Dame dominated. Like, what did we say going into the the, the pre-show about Will Shipley? Is um, if he doesn't if he doesn't get that long run, he's going to end up with a stat line of sixty yards. And Will Shipley ended up 12 of 63. Yeah, we tried to say, like, Will Shipley's not a burner. No, no, he needs a runway. And they, in Notre Dame did that, not provide him that a was runway. The, that, that was the pregame analysis that I couldn't that – that was the pregame analysis that I was pissed off about was, like, I have a lot of respect for Will Shipley. I think he's a good football player. But people were treating him like he was fucking Reggie Bush, and he is not. Like he is not that kind of player. He runs hard and he has great vision and he is the ultimate tryhard. Like the guy wants to fucking wants yeah. to get every inch he can, but he is not on that Reggie Bush. Like I use that name because that's especially for Notre Dame fans. He's not that explosive kind of any second. He's going to go go yard for a play with a ball. You don't have to hold your breath with the ball in his hands. There was and a couple of moments he was being treated that way by a lot of media members going into the game. And I'm just like, eh, you know, this is the guy that I said I was fine with losing because we got digs and estimate. Oh, 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 by the way, who's all asking that this, this week, everybody, I brought it up two years ago. Take a lap. And people were like, you gotta be, I'm taking a fucking lap. I'm taking a lap right now. I'm the motherfucker that first brought it up and put it out there. Like I will take digs and estimate over Shipley. Let's fucking go and look at us now. The proof is in the pudding. There was a couple of runs look, that he watch had. Fucking, look, I, I think it was. I think it was in the. I'm going to stand for Audrey Gustave. Yeah, stand, stand for Audrey all I'm day. I'm going to stand long. for Audrey because watch him run the football, and I'm I'm glad it was somebody else that said it, and not me. Although I have several tweets out there of of <laughs> about Audrey Gustave uh, just betising the fuck out of Clemson. Watch those hips. Watch those feet when he's running up. These are like these power runs aren't like, uh, it's not like he's, um, I don't even know. Pick a, pick a power back from the eighties. <laughs> he's just, this, this isn't just feet moving forward. He is, there is wiggle inside the tackles that you just don't get from a 230 pound running back. You know, he's coming through, he's, he's moving a hip over his feet are coming over and he's coming off of that and throwing out a stiff arm. I mean, it's just, Everything about the way Audrick Estime runs is just amazing. It is absolutely beautiful to watch. I think and the Logan, thing that impresses me the most about him that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, for Estime, I think the thing that impresses no, just say, me Logan the most Dix about is a compliment to that. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think the thing that impresses me the most about um, Audrick Estime and running the football is he recognizes, like, I think it's his vision because he immediately recognizes where there's a crease where he can get through and at a minimum get four yards. 
and he is decisive in his running. And I think that that's where what gets maybe Chris Tyree a little bit more is Chris Tyree. And what do we always say about Notre Dame running backs over the years is they have a propensity to dance and you do not see that dancing with Audric Estime. He recognizes where he wants to go and he immediately commits to going in that direction. And that might result in 13 yards or that might result in three to four yards, but he is getting three to four yards uh, just about every time he touches the football because he immediately knows this is where I am going and you are going to have to have multiple people bring me down uh, in order to stop me. And sometimes that works for teams, but to the tune of 18 for 104 with his long being 13, uh, that is yeoman's work. That is looking at it and being like, I know what I want to do. And this is, you're going to have to stop me. That's not like, you know, a, a stat line where it's, uh, you know, 120 on, on 18, but he's got a, a 40 yarder in there. No, no, no. This is 18, 104 and the longest is 13, but he's got, you know, one, two, three, four, five rushes of more than 10 yards in there. That, that that's a guy that that knows what he wants to do when he gets the football, which is something that for someone his size, um, that's going to translate as he as he gets further and further along in his Notre Dame career. And that's something that's absolutely for the first time in a while, he's got a skill set that will translate to the next level for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um so back to the game here. Uh, so, you know, Notre Dame's up 14, nothing rolling into the half. Uh, we're coming back into, into the second half and it's just, it really is more of the same for both Clemson and Notre Dame. Uh, Clemson gets the ball off right away. Uh, they run four plays and have to punt. Um, Notre Dame does the thing where they, you know, they just, they check off some yards and look, in between there was there's penalties and no calls and all that going on and on. I don't want to get into a whole lot of that. The refs, the refs were still as bad as what they as they always are. Uh, but what Notre Dame was did, yeah, what Notre Dame did in the third quarter was basically just they were playing field position. I, it just it boiled down to that. Um, Clemson finally put together a nine play drive uh, of all 42 fucking yards uh, there in the third quarter. Uh, and it just, they still had to punt the ball. Uh, it, it just, it did not, it, it really did not matter. Um, now we get into interesting time. So Dabo decides he's seen enough of DJU. It's time to bring in Klubnik. And kind of did it at a kind of a funny time. Clemson's pinned back. Uh, what was it like over the eight, nine yard line? Well, you know, whatever it was. First play comes in, hands it off. Second play, he's run out right. Now, mind you, me, on a personal level, my prediction for this game was Notre Dame 16, Clemson 12. At 14 nothing, we are still very much in play for a 16-12 football game. And when I saw Klubnik in the end zone getting chased, I thought my dreams are about to come true. Little did I know that they were going to be uh, one-upped by hmm. our man, Benjamin, Benjamin Morrison, picking off Klubnik. Uh, and I don't know, man. It's just like that. That has been the thing that we've been waiting on Notre Dame 
all season long to do. And tonight, or against Clemson, they finally, yeah, they finally did it. They got the pressure. They got the turnover off the pressure. They were able to score, what, three plays later. uh, Estimate dives in uh, for a touchdown. Like, it it all worked out. Like, we've been waiting for that kind of, like, series of events in multiple games. Like, could have used that against Marshall. You know, use that against uh, could have used that against Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, I would like, to, I would also like to state shot. the minute I said uh, Klubiak came into the game, I said turnover incoming because you put a kid. It, it, it was first and ten from the seven. Um, as soon as he comes in, down fourteen to nothing. Like you put that kid in the football game at that point. Either one of two things is happening. Either he's going to drive down the field and spark this team to a a furious comeback, or he is going to absolutely shit the bed and press and try and make something happen. And that pass was an instance where he shouldn't have thrown, he shouldn't have thrown that pass across his body uh, in, in such a manner. And and that's what you happen. That's what happens when you put a true freshman in a football game um, running in his own end zone, trying to avoid, you know, Justin Matamiola, uh, he's, he's going to make that mistake. It was, that was, a that's what, when that happened, when that pick happened in my mind, game was over. I mean, the game, I already kind of felt the game was over at halftime being 14 to nothing. Cause that seemed like an insurmountable lead. But as soon as that pick happened in that spot, it was, that was it. It was over because the one spark that Dabo had, right. Yet you can't reinsert him back into the game. Like you needed to, to use that. Well, you, well, you sure, you sure you can, <laughs> you can, <laughs> but you can, I guess, you know, that, that was the point. Like, look, even before they scored a touchdown, it's like, look, 17, nothing, 21, nothing. It's three honestly score. all the same. Yeah. It's a three score game. Uh, this is in the bag now. And I, I mean, and I mean that like, I'm not, that was in the bag. Um, but Notre Dame gets the touchdown. It's twenty-one nothing, and then Dabo does exactly what you said he couldn't do, and he he puts uh, DJ Uyangale, uh right back in uh, for that next drive. And what's funny about this next drive is like this is like the most ridiculous thing of, of, of everything that happened in this game. This one drive was the one that was really the one that was uh, insane. Oh, the ACC officials. Uh, Clemson decided to call. run. Yeah. And, you know, going back and watching the, uh, I watched the replay on, on Peacock and the rules expert, whatever his fucking name is, is just emphatic about what is and what isn't a pass interference call. And it's just like, these were so bad. These were so terribly wrong that he just kept saying that like, there is nothing there. And yet, here, here's Clemson marching down the field with three, I guess one was a defensive holding. And the other two were uh, defensive yeah. pass interference calls that just, they weren't. It was, it was the old 2013 that. Michigan state, uh, Michigan state defense, right. That when they employed the Notre Dame, uh, offensive game plan, Absolutely. right. They're just like throw deep and, and make them. But like the cam Hart one was maybe the most egregious of all three of the calls. Like I, I explained to no, me, I thought Morrison's was, you thought more, he, I thought Cam Hart's was he was turned order. around completely, made a plan and got it. He, he was complete. He was turned around completely, and his arms are going for the. His head was towards the football. His arms are going for the football, 
And Bo Collins is like just reaching through him. And it's like, you can't call it pass interference because the, because the offensive guy probably could have been the one that's called for it for reaching through him. Oh no, that that's what I, I thought. Bo Collins one was, was the Bo Collins one was on Cam Hart. Because Engada was on DJ, uh, silly, and then no. uh, yeah, yeah, it was on uh, it was on um, Cam. That was the one that was okay. Uh, from the, that, that I'm just thinking yeah, of the yeah. wrong player. Because because D, DJ DJ Brown had one too. Okay, yeah. At any rate, they were all fucking terrible. It was just they were, they were so bad. Great. They were not good. And then what do you know? I mean, honestly, like it was absolutely fitting. What happened, happened. Uh, DJ Hangale underthrows a wide receiver. Bedroom Morrison picks it off and just houses it. And the best part about that all was, because I've just, I've seen it too many times this year from Notre Dame guys and across the country, guys have been too willing to not go house, like stepping out of bounds, like not thinking while they're running out there. Like running, get caught up, and then all of a sudden they're out of bounds. Like, oh shit. Like, keep your ass in bounds. Go for the gusto, bro. And Morrison did that. He got, you know, he got the pick, got his feet down, planted, and then he took off. And then you saw an acceleration there. Like, I'm going to go get this. And then takes it 96 yards of the house. Third name's up 28 nothing. At that point, I mean, I might as well have just been chugging vodka up my butt. Because uh, <laughs> I just, the, the feeling was just insanity. Uh, 28 nothing, 28 nothing over Clemson. Nobody, not even the biggest sunshine pumping blue and gold fucking living La Vida Loca person is thinking this was ever going to be 28 nothing in the third quarter on Notre Dame's favor. Yeah, absolutely not. At no point in, in anything did you ever think that Notre Dame was going to be up 28 to nothing. And, and when that pick happened, I thought we were gonna get a. I thought we were gonna get the shutout. I should have known better, uh, just given the uh, you know the you know the official. It was uh, funny dalliances, but I wasn't but, even thinking about a shutout. I wasn't uh, even thinking about a shutout until he until he scored that. Like even at twenty one nothing, I didn't even think. I don't remember even saying like anything about they're still shutting them out. Like that would be something I would normally do. I would normally be the person that points it out pretty quickly. Like, hey, this is a shutout. As soon as it went twenty-eight nothing, I'm like, oh, we got to get the shutout. We got we got to get the shutout here. Like, th- this is going to be a shutout. Yeah, and you you got memories of like uh, 2014, right? And this game was infinitely more enjoyable to watch than oh. the, the 2014 Michigan game. But like, yeah. <laughs> so. That I mean that that I mean effectively that ended the game, um, and again uh, Clemson got the ball. Um, uh, well, I mean no, Clemson got the ball, had eleven plays, seventy-five yard yeah, drive. They, yeah, the next uh, drive score touchdown, played. and so by that point, uh, you and I are down on the field, right? Yes, we we are walking. We walk down onto the field. Uh, Clemson takes a timeout after uh, it's third and five. And we start walking down onto the field and then Audric gains the first down on a third and five run. He gets the five yards. Third and, and 10, then, huh? And then, well, yeah, from the third and 10, um, we're, we're, we watch that one as we're like walking through the stadium. 
And then we're coming down onto the field as Audric takes the first one. And then we, our feet hit the ground onto the field turf as, and, and we're walking towards our spot in the end zone when Drew Pine hits Mayer. Like we're walking towards our spot. It's directly in front of us, not more than like 20 yards away as Mayer catches that, that ball to make it 35 to, or 34 at the time, but 34 to seven like right in front of us and everybody's just, that's it. It's over. It's done. Yeah. I, I went to give a, uh, I won't say, I won't say which media member's name, a, a fist bump after that. I was pretty excited. Uh, and it got a funny kind of like, why am I fist bumping you look like, come on, man. <laughs> 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 like, like, show a little joy, show a little joy in your life. Uh, but uh, God, that was just, Number one, I wasn't. Expe- I thought it was funny that that both Pine and Mayer were totally not expecting that to be a call, and no, I don't think you, nobody else would have like. Exp- we don't Clemson expect Notre Dame to go for the throat like that. Did no, you see how no, open no, Mayer was? No, just like Clemson sure didn't think that that was happening. <laughs> Tommy Reese is all in his feels, man. He's like, we're fucking getting this passing touchdown, goddamn it, and they did, um, and it, you know, it set. It made Michael Mayer the most prolific tight end in Notre Dame history in that play. I, you can't think of a better game to set that kind of record. Um, Michael Mayer, who continues to be like, – anytime he speaks, he becomes more and more like one of my favorite players of all time. The dude's just nothing but real. Um, and just, he's just a fucking football player, man. That, that guy's that guy's awesome. Uh, but uh, – so, yeah. So, now, you know, it's, it's 35-7. We just set these mayor just set these records. Uh, and then, you know, Clemson goes down, uh, does another 75 yard drive for touchdown of, of meaningless time. And again, those last two drives that Clemson had were a grand total of 150 yards to, to we got him up to 281, uh, for the game. It was just more insane. than half so that, that whole time. Yeah. I mean, and so that whole last drive anyways, that Clemson had going on. And by the way, Michael Mayer catches the, uh, hands, you know, most on the onside, yeah. tight end in Notre Dame history. Yep. Outside hands team gets, gets that, uh, gets that, that onside kick. But during that whole time, we're kind of like just looking around at this, at this Notre Dame crowd. And first of all, I spent like 10 minutes of our time down there, uh, in a, in a heavy discussion w- with a member of the, of the Notre Dame's, uh, uh, communication staff, uh, which was, I look back with, with nothing but regret. It was totally unnecessary. Needed to just be focused on the vibes going on. Uh, but it was what it was. And we were just all getting ready for this bum rush. And you see it. Like, people were just – this was happening. It was not going to not happen. And if you would have asked me maybe just 20 minutes before, and I thought we talked about it. But I, I don't oh, remember. no, we we talked about it. I said, they're going to storm the field, right? And you're like, no, they're not storming the field. And I said, I said, ah, they shouldn't. I said, nah, you know. I'm like, nah, you don't. And I said, I said, no, you don't. But you know what? I was wrong. Not just because they did. Because you know what? Fuck it. Do it. Why not? You beat the number 14. Why not? You biggest. Every, everybody's. Find me a caveat free, right? Bigger home win in Notre Dame football since 1993. And I say caveat free because because 
anytime you bring up Clemson 2020, you will get caveats about, well, you know, Trevor Lawrence and playing. There's, there's a big contingent of their, uh, uh, defensive roster that didn't play because of COVID. So uh, that game doesn't really count. This one counted. And the this whole was, thing had a different feeling anyways, because of the, because of the whole crowd COVID situation. crowd being there. Like the, this was yeah, the this biggest, was, this was everyone the biggest did, win that the home crowd was able to experience since 1993. No hyperbole. Yeah. This was okay. a, this was a thank you. This was a thank you note from both the team and its fans back and forth to each other. This was a love letter. Because the the fans deserved as much, dude. For as much as there was the hand wringing and people bitching and complaining and thinking that Clemson was going to take over the stadium, they did not. They did not. And and not only that, but the crowd that was there was fucking live. They wanted it. They wanted every bit of that game. Every. I mean, it was like it was releasing. It was just like releasing all the energy that you had pent up from close shitty wins or, or to bad losses. Like it was all released that night and culminated in that field storming. And it was just, it was just awesome to watch, man. It was just so cool to see all that to come together. Now I've stormed the field a couple times, uh, 2002, 2004, Michigan, both times. Um, that it, it wasn't like that though. Like this was, it, that was mostly a student body thing. This was like, 60 year olds were jumping that. (laughs) There was an old man. There was an old man. I got him. I got him on field right before he jumps. Like he's coming over and then I scan over as I'm doing it. But that old man on my, on my thing blew out his knee because that was all the talk in the, uh, uh, when we were sitting in the the room waiting for Barker to show up, everybody was talking about the old man that blew out his (laughs) knee and just like died on the field. Uh, but yeah, there's, uh, somebody pull out their knee getting out there. Uh, I had a tweet out there where like students are just, uh, there's, there's probably like, you know, two dozen people sitting on the edge, feet hanging over the edge of the wall down there, just getting ready to go with uh, a minute left in the game. Um, they, they were ready to go. Um, and they, and they did, they did it. They stormed the field. It was a beautiful scene. Um, and honestly, they deserved it. And you, when you beat a top five team, you should be able to storm the field. I don't, I'm not one of those, those people that say, well, Notre Dame is one of those programs where you should be uh, too good to storm the field. Uh, it's, it's beneath you to fuck to that. Fuck that. fuck that. You buy a ticket to a football game. You don't, you weren't at the last one. How do you, maybe you weren't at the last one where they storm the field. You only get so many opportunities in your life to be able to do something like this. And you shell out the money that you do and you beat yeah, a top four team in the nation. You fucking deserved to storm the field because you don't know if that's ever going to happen again. And you know what? You haven't had that opportunity in 30 years. So of course you storm the field. You know who else deserves that? You know who else deserves that? The players. The players. The players deserve, deserve to have that feeling of, of, of being, of being out there to watch you just empty the stadium, towards you, and so like all of your like, like if you're not a you know if you're not an alum then then and maybe you don't know but like a lot of these students like they're on campus they, you know while well, it's a little funny anymore but you got to live on campus uh, unless you're Jimmy Claus and you buy a house <laughs> which right. which are things that happen. 
but all these guys are guys. This is a small school. Everyone, you know, they'll know each other. Your friends from the dorms are out there. They're out there finding you. So you're out there able to celebrate this huge win with your friends who just are on the team. You know, it's a, this is a huge student uh, love letter, man. It was just like you wanted to be able to to, to celebrate and enjoy that uh, with everybody. And what and was one of the first things Mayer big, said in the in the presser? He was like. I got to see a bunch of my buddies came down and celebrated with me. I got to see a bunch of my buddies come down and celebrate with me on the field. Yeah. Yeah. It was absolutely, absolutely fun. Absolutely fine. And not Um, only that, I will take one of these a year. (laughs) I will take one of these a year. Not only that, but the recruits, they had a hell of a time. We were standing behind them and like, we saw that like their parents all get ushered up by the (laughs) <laughs> you know, was the, they started uh, throwing me up there like Chad, whoa, whoa, Chad whoa. Kroger. I'll tell you, the guy who was working the hardest was, uh, was that Chad Kroger? Is that who that is? It's, uh, you must uh, be in charge of the, uh, that's the, that's the lead singer I, of Chad Bowden. Uh, Chad Kroger's the lead singer. Of Chad Bowden. Hey, yeah, why, why don't you, why don't you, that's what you used to have a time you've done that. Anyway, anyway, I know it. I know it. But anyway, yeah, oh, the hardest worker was Chad out there because he was just, hustling to get the recruits and their family members to safety. <laughs> like, were, you don't know what's going to happen up. out there. They were I mean, you had to the, the tunnel right with us in the media. You know, I mean, I, I, honestly, that picture of that, of that, of that nerd kid flipping off the Clemson player as people want to put their noses up in the air for it. I think it's funny as hell. Yeah. You know, Notre Dame gets, gets a lot of guff. Notre Dame gets a lot of guff for like, the, the game, the atmosphere and yeah. it not being intimidating. Well, here you have this engine, you have this fucking engineering major giving double birds up to a guy who's three times his size after a win. I mean, it's like, yeah, let's stay classy. I don't care, man. I mean, I'm, I'm you sorry. Know what? I'm sorry. That if I don't you don't, care, if you're I a Clemson player, care. And if, if you're a Clemson player and you don't want to get double birds from some engineering student, how about you not fucking suck? <laughs> And lose a football Cheap game. Cheap shot. How about right. you not? How about you, 64 Parks, not cheap shot the fuck out of somebody at the end of the half? You're lucky. I couldn't believe that he didn't lose like a leg in the second half. That took discipline on the Notre Dame's defensive line to not cheap shot the fuck out of him every single play oh, for the rest of the it. second half. Yeah. Instead, they just beat the crap out of him personally. Yeah, so, beat. I mean, I was fine with it. it look, it wasn't Tennessee where, where people were getting decked. Uh, <laughs> there was a little shake, little bit of shaking of the goalposts at one point. That's where I would draw the line at. This isn't a, a goalpost tearing down. This is not a good situation. I'm not sure. I, uh, you got to beat the number one. This is definitely if a you beat the thing. number one team in the nation, you pull the goalpost down, but this is number four. You need stone the field. Yeah. If, if listen, if Notre Dame in 2007 would have beat USC, that would, <laughs> well, I, that would have been caused to turn out the goalposts. In 2005, I think you would have had a – if they would have uh, – I think you absolutely 100% in 2005 would have had the 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 where – you could have tore down the goalposts. I would – I wouldn't agree with it. I don't agree with that, but you can make – but there's an argument you can be made, can be made for, I think. Um, <laughs> but at any, at any rate, dude, it was just – it was insane. Gold Pulse could have ended I, up. In I was still, like I said, I was still burning. I all the regrets I had. Could have been. 
I did. I took off like maybe just a couple pictures, a couple, a couple videos. I know there's a lot of stuff out there. I, I, I was just soaking, just soaking it all in. And then it was just like, all right, do, do we need to get around here to, to get away? But dude, it was absolutely awesome. Uh, like I said, I've been down there for, uh, I was there in, in 02 and 04 for the field rushing after the Michigan games. I was there in 2010 for the Utah field rush. I didn't go on the field, um, that game. Um, and then, you know, just was already down there. So kind of, kind of witnessed this in a different, in a different route, uh, with it all coming at me. Um, and it was just, it was, dude, it was just so awesome. And just so happy for everybody involved, the fans, the players, the coaches. Um, it was just, it was so awesome. And listen, the videos don't do justice. We're sitting in the, in the, in the, in the media room. Once we, once we finally get up there, the videos out there, I'm telling you, do not do justice just to how loud and how frantic it was when Freeman got, was getting up there and everyone was cheering for him before he came into the, to the press room. You, that was a, you could that hear was them cheering. Hero. Oh my God. You could God. hear them cheering throughout the entire presser. And then when Freeman finishes, right. And Dude, they, and mayor comes in and he sits down in the back and he's got his, uh, you know, national tight ends day shirt, which is hilarious. But, and Freeman X's out and <laughs> mayor comes up to the podium. The door hasn't closed yet. It's like a slow closing door. And they, somebody tries to ask a question to mayor and they got to wait to close the door because it was so deafening in the room from the, the, the fans chanting as Freeman comes out that, that you couldn't like mayor couldn't hear the question. Nobody could hear mayor's response. They had to stop the, they had to stop the whole production (laughs) in order to get it going back because the fans out there just the whole time, you could just hear them going nuts, doing the, the seven nation army, uh, doing doing everything, just chanting the whole time. It was bonkers. Yeah, it was a say. I thought Freeman looked a little not embarrassed, but a little bit when he came in after they were all cheering for him for for his press because that was just it was that was, if you were Marcus Freeman, that's a lot to take in. Like he, he was the conquering hero, uh, the the general getting the the roses thrown at him. I mean, these are all applicable uh, things to say. I mean, you just, it was, he was taking his victory lap before he came in to, to the press conference. And it might have been a little much even for him. I mean, it was just like, and he was so calm and uh, controlled with his thoughts and the things that he said in the press conference. I was expecting a little more, uh, a little more, a little more frantic, a little more all over the place, but he was very calm and very, uh, uh, God, I don't even know how to put it. Like, like, stoic in a way. Like this was the message. This is what we did. This is great. Uh, we're excited. I, but it wasn't like a fake thing. Like he was genuinely excited and ridiculously happy. But I was just surprised at how well he was able to like, keep his composure um, after all that to answer the questions and, and to give uh, like lengthy responses. Like I was surprised at how long-winded he was at, at, at some of the uh, responses. So. Pretty amazing, man. Pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, he was he was he was Scipio, right? Coming in, having defeated, uh, you know, Hannibal. He was uh, Adius <laughs> Flavius, having defeated the Huns. I mean, it was like he was a conquering hero. He was like a Roman general strolling in, he having was. defeated the the um, you know 
gibbering hordes of the uh, you know the, of his opponents. Nah, it, it really was, and so and the night was just look. It was everything that we needed Notre Dame football to be. Like it's everything that we wanted it to be for so long, and we we finally got that, and it just it was letting it all out, let it all out. Um, and look, Notre Dame let it all out on the field. Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, Drew Pine had 85 yards passing, and we won a football game 35 to 14. Yeah, 85 and yards passing. We could have. We. I mean, this was a game where like. Drew Pine was assaulted in broad daylight in front of all of America when he was blasted in the head. And they, they, and the fact that they didn't throw a flag on the initial hit was egregious because if, if like uh, any other quarterback, the fact that it took like, him 10 minutes. Well, and the reason it took him 10 minutes to the replay, they don't get that replay. Like for, for anyone who is doubting the jumbotron, you can take a long walk off a short pier because they don't get that replay if it's not for the jumbotron because they replayed that shot on Pine getting hit in the head no fewer than five times in the stadium. And the Notre Dame staff allowed the clock to get down to five seconds, four seconds, three seconds before they snapped that football with the jumbotron running that shot on replay before the officials decided to, to, and I think they actually got the snap off before the, the, the officials blew it dead. Um, and that, that doesn't happen if you don't have a jumbotron. And that's, that's one of those things where we're talking about that. If, if the game cuts sideways a little bit, like how can you not call roughing the passer right. and targeting on that particular play? It is absolutely absurd. And that's not a discussion we need to have. And that, and that was the thing. Like, Drew Pine got beat up Saturday night. If you didn't know, I mean, Drew Pine took some shots. It wasn't just the one. He took like probably four or five shots Saturday night. And I'm talking like not just hard hits. Like yeah. getting <laughs> twisted around, flipped around, put on his back. Like Drew Pine, like in the last few weeks, Drew Pine has took a physical beating. You know, you look back to that the, the Syracuse game when he took the you know the squash sack. He's took a little bit of a whooping, and that kid has just been fighting back. I'm a fucking I'm dude. I'm in Drew Pine's corner, and all you guys can eat my ass. I don't care. There's well, nothing else that you got. That was that's the thing. I'm I'm not necessarily in his corner because uh, going into the spring, I will be. Yeah, but you have to be for someone new. But 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 what I will say is is that there is no other viable option, and this is a guy that in this particular game did not turn the football over. He managed the game exactly well, and for what Notre Dame is, for Notre Dame to be successful and for Notre Dame to be successful the remainder of this year, they need to beat USC. Um, in order for them to do that, it needs to be a steady hand, and he provided them with a steady hand. I mean, he hit Mayer on the pass. Uh, he had a beautiful that that beautiful catch uh, from Jaden Thomas, which we didn't bring up, but Jaden Thomas, was, yeah, that was a hell of a play. Um, that needs to they can win if they play like that. If he cannot turn the ball over and make clutch yeah. throws when it yeah, matters, because, look, you can win. 
Because he's not going to be a damn playmaker. He's not going to be a damn playmaker. But if if their game strategy is to have him be a game manager, I think that that he can do that, especially if he shows the kind of legs that he had on that that do that for you that first touchdown drive. Right. I think now. I think now that Notre Dame is. I think now that Notre Dame and Tommy Rees, they're completely sold on their running game right now. They're completely sold and bought it. And how do you know that? Because Tommy Rees had a had a called an 11 play touchdown drive that had 10 fucking 10, ru- 10 runs of that thing at the end of the half. That's yeah. how you know that he's sold on their running game. Yeah. So this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing now, guys. This is it. And let's be quite honest. Navy and BC don't stand a fucking chance against it. They really don't. No. I don't, they, they don't. And going out to LA, this is something that you can, beat the shit out of SC with. We'll get all into that in the future, but this is Notre Dame's thing. The the Stanford teams that people used to just like get all hard for that, you know, they would light up there. This is exactly, exactly like that was, you know, like you're just going to light it. We're just going to go out there and just beat the dog piss out of you. And that's what Notre Dame has transitioned to. They, it took them a minute to feel their way through what they, what kind of team they wanted to be. They were at a disadvantage to start the season with inexperienced quarterbacks. And then your starting quarterback going down. They they had to feel their way through all this to find out who they were. Estimate having fumbling problems didn't help. I mean, finding out Diggs having a, a, a bad start to the it was just a, it was a they finally got to this point. Everything up to this point got them there to figure out who they are. And what they are now is just they're asking they're ass kickers. In fact, yeah. Chris Tyree, I was thinking about I was thinking about before the game because um, we had saw him on the player walk, you know, and, and, and so I, would, I thought a lot about him going into the game, like wondering what his contribution to the team was going to be against Clemson. And in my mind, I thought, well, this is a, this could be the game where, where Chris Tyree breaks one. Like, like this is going to be something like, you know, yada. but Tyree had just seven carries for 26 yards and they had two catches, for 26 two yards. Catches were and that sounds very mean. But that's see, it sounds very menial, right? Like it's like, oh, you know, he had 52 yards. Those were important yards, both running and receiving, like very important first down getting plays. And I don't think, I mean, I, I, I we're all in on Diggs and Estime uh, right now being backs one A and one B. But stop discounting Chris Tyree's contribution to this team because in a in an offense that cannot that has not been able to rely on uh using the wide receivers for whatever reason whether it's whether it's wide receivers dropping passes or as a styles had enough another one or drew pie not be able to get the ball to him and you know and single out mayor so chris tyree has and the other runner have been involved in this passing game that's what it is and so his contribution to this team is he's right there he's going to get you the, he, he's going to get you those first downs i still think he's got i think i still think chris tyree has a game in him this year Maybe that's Navy. Maybe it's maybe it's SC, where he just goes the fuck off. I and mean, a broken tackle. Yeah, I mean, he's a broken like, tackle on one of those passes where they they swing him out to the flat. Oh yeah, and it's been like, I think Chris Tyree, you know, Chris Tyree might have like a hundred and ninety yard game, you know, at some point for the season ends, just because he's so capable of doing that because of his speed. But yeah, I was I was expecting more from Tyree going in. His stat line wasn't very impressive. But yet, in the top, in the context of the game, it was very important and very needed, and he is a huge part of what Notre Dame does. This, and I, you know, I hope he knows that. 
Like I, I'm sure Chris Tyree is probably a little disappointed in, in his output this year, but the importance that he brings to that unit and to the offense, I think is very understated. Um, and if you just watch the games, I think there's a lot more to it. And that's a good, which is a great thing. So if you're looking for sustained success the rest of the season and going into your bowl game and all that, Chris Tyree playing part of that game plan is just as big of a part as yeah. Estime and Dix. I mean, uh, it just, he was se- he was second on the team in yardage receiving. He had a 14 and 12 yard reception. Um, I mean, the, one of these times, he's just a broken tackle away. If if he if he can get some stays, a broken tackle and a safety out right. of position from from taking into the house. Um, obviously, what they have with Diggs and Estimate, Diggs going 17 for 114, and Estimate going 18 for 104. Um, those two players are just it's it's a recipe for success. And I, there there will come a time, like you said, there will come a time where Tyree ends up. He's a guy that where if he can just find find space, um, and and that's gonna come. I, I just I have faith in this this offense at this point in the way that they're performing. And how can you not? They went up against a Clemson a Clemson team, like I said in the early onset of this podcast. They went up against a Clemson team that has one of the best front sevens in college football, and they were able to rush for two hundred and sixty three yards. And Pine acclimated himself pretty well in the running game as well. And I think that that's something that they can build on. I mean, there was the five yard run, but, but, uh, you know, to set up that as well, he had, he had a, he had a nice run and then he had a nice run um, later on in the game as well to pick up a first down. So I I think if they can get Pine involved and Tyree's going to burst one at at some point, there's going to be a 300 yard rushing game in Notre Dame's future. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, right now, uh, you know, estimate has got six sixty two, digs five forty five, and Tyree three forty eight. Um, it, it is almost, <laughs> it's silly to think that Diggs only has one touchdown for all that he does, uh, between the twenties. Yeah. But I mean, estimate is the guy they call on uh, inside right, for good so. reason. Yeah. That's fine. And, and they, you know, they've actually done it with Tyree too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd like to see Diggs get a couple more scores for the end of the season, but I mean, they're just, they're, this is very, this is very Lou Holtz. I was going right? to say it's very Holtz. Like when you look you at got, the stat line of drew pine and you look at the running backs, this is very Holtzian. 
I haven't been checking the the message boards for the people fifty and older um, lately. Oh, on all season at all. But there's no way that they can't be happy with the way that this offense has been running. If you are a run the damn ball person, which I believe we are a lot of, yeah, I, mean, I just want points. I don't care how they come, but I love a good, I love a good running game, especially uh, with power backs. There's, you can't complain about what they're trying to do. It did not, you know, again, the beginning of the season, especially was just kind of an anomaly because they were just fr- trying to find who they were and what they're, what they could do. Yeah, the Patterson injury is now you now you you fully know who you are, right? You ha, you know what your quarterback can do, what your offensive line can do. You're running everything that you know that you are is right there. And at the same time, you're still having wide receivers kind of step up a little. You know, Tobias Merriweather, um, you know, play here and there. Jaden Thomas has been a wide receiver that has stepped up while you know while we're seeing some struggles from Styles. But this is a yeah. run first power football team. Yep. Yeah, it's just, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's, it's very, it's wrong very, with that at all. and you know what this game reminded me of, um, sort of thinking back on it, I was at the 2010, um, uh, Notre Dame Stanford game, uh, where the score didn't look quite as dominating yeah. as it felt. It was very much like that 2010, what Stanford did to Notre Dame, um, in 2000. Was it like 41, 10? <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was close. Yeah, that, that was the game where Brian. Uh, that was the game Brian Kelly said after the game. That's what we want to be, and people lost their minds. Right. Um, we we want to be like Stanford. Well, because they just kicked your ass. It was thirty. It was <laughs> thirty-seven why. to. It was thirty-seven to fourteen. Which I mean. Okay, thirty-seven fourteen. Yeah, they just kicked your. They just kicked. They kicked our ass up and down the field. Right now, up and down the field. Just did whatever they wanted to do. Whatever they wanted to do, they could do. Um, so I. Yeah. And here's here, as we as we transition to the end of this. Here's here's what's kind of like I I I, I was as hyped as all get out. Um, you know, driving home from this football game, and we probably should have podcasted after you know on our drives, respective drives. And you said that's before, and and I agree with you. Um. But here's my problem, and this is something that's really grinded my gears, and that's the national narrative is now out on this particular football game where Notre Dame dominates uh, the number four team in the nation, and that is that when Notre Dame loses these football games, it is nothing but daggers in the back. The arrows start flying, and Notre Dame is lambasted for losing these football games, and Notre Dame fucking dominates the number four team in the nation. And I have to sit here and listen to every national media expert in the sport of college football. Tell me about how much Clemson sucks because they lost Notre Dame. I have to listen to Bud Elliott and I have to listen to, um, you know, Danny Cannell, and I have to listen to Andy Staples, and I have to listen to all of these people talk about how much Clemson lost this football game, and it has nothing to do with the fact that Notre Dame dominated it. I have to sit here and make apologies for the fact that Notre Dame was able to beat the number four team in the nation in such a decisive manner. I mean, what? What what are we supposed to do here? Yeah, it was. First of all, I was expecting 
everything that the the national media said about Notre Dame, was fully expecting. Did not expe- I did not expect any kind of kudos sent their way. Um, I fully expected them to keep bringing up Marshall and Stanford. Um, with, with it was just none of this was a surprise. And I think in the past that would have pissed me off more. But honest to God, I, I guess I don't care as much right now because this wasn't about them. This was about us and our fans and our meet our own personal um, coverage and the coverage of the rest of the beat and what this means for us, like like how we're view how we view Notre Dame uh, football this season moving forward. I, I you know I really don't care what Bud Elliott has to say about Notre Dame. Um, I don't care about what fucking uh, Bill Comfortelli has to say about Notre Dame. It just doesn't matter to me. But what I do care about is is how we talk about them and how we view the view them, um, and how we, you know going in week in and week out. And it's been really rough uh, for a lot of parts of the season because we've seen some rough shit. So for us to get this big win, we know what we saw, and what we saw was absolute domination. And it was no one was thinking this coming in. Like a lot of the prediction, if you were picking Notre Dame to win. It was not like this. And if you and then you had people that were picking Clemson in a win. So no one was expecting this. So this was just this was for us, by us, and we shouldn't expect the national media to give a shit. And they didn't, and that's fine. Well, Notre Dame did Notre Dame did everybody a favor, and they still you know, by knocking Clemson around, and they're still not gonna get the cred. It's fine. Yeah, but uh... I mean, ultimately, college football is about you knew they validation. Were do that. But, but I mean, a little bit of validation would have been nice from somebody. Like every single person that posts in there, they're like, Clemson is the team that lost to Notre Dame, who lost to Marshall and Stanford. And I would argue that losing to Marshall was fine because we talked about the letdown, but it's that loss to Stanford that really hurts. Because it destroys the narrative of Notre Dame turning it around um, post, you know, Buckner injury. And it just it just frustrates me that we can't get even the slightest semblance of validation from the national media. And we never do. And they're 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 quick to jump. No, on. I, I get it. I mean, I. Honestly, I thought I thought the valid all the validation we needed was on Sunday when the AP poll put Notre Dame at 20. Now, while I personally feel Notre Dame is better than a top 20 team at this moment, especially after that win, I thought that was, that was a big, st- I, I, like, this podcast will come out Tuesday morning. The playoff rankings will come out. Look, Notre Dame is not going to the college football playoff. We know this. This is not part of, this is not what we're talking about, but it'll be interesting to see where the committee has Notre Dame slotted. Now they were unranked last week. I have a, I don't know, man. I, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like somewhere in that 16 Ooh, range, no, 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 no. 16, that's 17 where the, range. That's where they're going to put UNC. Oh, yeah. I think I think Notre Dame is going to end up at about 21, 22. Because I just I just think that Notre Dame, I think, when they I think they're going to one up. the. Uh... When Notre Dame wins these games, they they don't get credit. It's not a big game if Notre Dame wins, but it's a big game. When but Notre but Dame that's wins. not but that's not a play that that that's not the that's not a committee mentality though. That's a me, that's a media mentality. Committee does things a little differently. 
and this one we're still trying to figure out because they got new members. The, the the committee will look at these things a lot differently than what the the, the media's main focus right now is. Is a lot of people have have said and have thought that Clemson was not as good as what is what their ranking was, but they kept winning football games. And so Notre Dame's blowout of Clemson just gave all those assholes the validation they needed to say I was right about Clemson not being that good. That's why they're talking about it. It really has less to do with Notre Dame than anything else. It just sucks because you want that highlight, that spotlight moment, um, you know, to be put up on that pedestal a little bit. But really, it was just they were looking for validation to say why they think to, to you know to go along with their feelings about Clemson not being as good as what their ranking was, even though they're ranking, even though they're the ones ranking them there. So, <laughs> which is just silly nonsense all the way around. Well, yeah, it's frustrating, but here's the thing. Notre Dame, Notre Dame absolutely has to do the thing that they don't do. They need to follow up this win with two absolutely like just fucking ass kickings of Navy and BC. There can be no doubt at all. Like Notre Dame ha- has to go out in the next two weeks and get massive wins and they'll go into that SC game. I mean, I keep hearing people just want to dismiss the new year six and it's a hard one this year because of the way the bulls run out. But what are you going to do with Notre Dame? If they're ranked 11 or 10 having beaten, if well, Notre Dame I, blows out Navy blows out beats, beats USC. Here's what I would yeah, say. Right. Clemson needs to win the ACC. Um, and even if they don't win the ACC, do they, they beat no. Cause it's North Carolina. It, well, that's what I was going to say. Even if they don't win the ACC, Clemson can't lose again this year in the regular season. They can't lose a game to South Carolina or whatever. Um, and then USC, if USC beats UCLA and then Notre Dame beats USC, you cannot exclude Notre Dame from the New Year Six because I watched I watched um, a three loss uh, a three loss uh, Auburn team make the New Year Six, right? Remember that. Where yeah. Alabama went to the playoff in, in Auburn because Auburn won the, the division. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think you need to, as long as you have USC and Clemson when their remaining games and Notre Dame picks up those two dubs, and, you know, well, they already got one of the two. I don't think you can exclude Notre Dame from New Year Six. And I, I, I think it would be false. And then, and then we're talking about like, does, does the committee end up pitting Brian Kelly against Notre Dame in a bowl game? <laughs> uh, who had, who himself had a good night Saturday night. Sort of. Is Alabama good. I'm not sure. <laughs> Cause I'll have that discussion. I'll talk about an Alabama team that had close wins against Texas A&M Texas and lost to a Tennessee team. Is that, okay. Georgia. Who's, Who's who's better, Alabama or Clemson? I don't know. I you know what? I don't know. Oh I, no, no. 
I you know. No, I don't know. Alabama, Alabama's better than Clemson. No, 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 no. You cannot say that definitively because Alabama has been struggling yeah. in four games this season. And Clemson had two games where it was a little bit dicey. I'm not three games where it was a little bit dicey with Wake, Cuse, and Notre Dame. Yeah. But Alabama did not look good against Texas A&M. Alabama did not look good against Texas. No. Alabama did not look good against LSU. Um, and they had every opportunity to win that football game, and they failed in the red zone. And Alabama had, did not look great against Tennessee, and Tennessee doesn't look that great against Georgia. I, I don't know. I don't know who wins that football game. Uh, so I, I guess all I really want is for – North Carolina to finish the season uh, with three more wins. I think they play Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, and uh, NC State. Uh, and then Clemson, I think they got South Carolina out of conference. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, I want I want Clemson and, and North Carolina to meet in the ACC championship game. Uh, with, yeah, I think Clemson's got Louisville this week, uh, Louisville, Miami, and then South Carolina. For them to meet meet each other in the ACC championship game with one loss apiece, and Notre Dame having blowout wins over both of these teams, we're breaking out the ACC championship shirts. Do you want we're, me we're to design? Do you want me to design an ACC champ? Do you want me to design an ACC championship shirt so you can get it uh, get it printed out there? Yeah, we need to. If all right. I'll design if, one. I, I'll get one designed up, and then we can yeah. we can uh, we can sell them uh, if yeah. uh, one of those teams wins. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take that conference title. We're just gonna take it because we can. But yeah, the best. Honestly, that's the best thing for Notre Dame if they could have both of those teams meet um, with just the one loss in the ACC championship game. Look, I'm telling you, the way that the the season's gonna go, let's just say Notre Dame's 21 in the playoff rankings. Uh, on set on Tuesday night. Let's just say that's what happens. They can move up pretty quickly over the next few weeks, as long as they keep knocking the shit out of their opponent. As other teams are are losing, moving back, they'll move up pretty pretty swiftly, and that win over Clemson will still be really fucking good, regardless of any narrative anyone wants to push about Clemson. As long as they keep winning, that 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 win's going to look fantastic. And all of this for me is just to find the best spot for Notre Dame. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear anyone saying, "Well, I'd rather go to this bowl than a New Year's Six so we can win it." Fuck you, shut up, stop. If you don't want the best, then don't, don't be around. Find the angle. It, it is not a dead, it is not a dead issue. They can, it might be a small chance to make a New Year's Six, but there's still a chance there. And this is college football where fucking anything can and has happened. So. We could be fo- we could be focused on that if we want, but you want Notre Dame and the AP poll is important to me because what what did I tell you what did I tell you Brenda before the season why is the AP poll important because it's the only poll that comes out after the bowl games once the once the bowls are set the playoff rankings are done so for you for all the things that you claim like top five finishes top ten finishes all that stuff that all goes off of the AP poll. So as meaningless as it is moving forward to decide a national champion, it still means a ton after the bowl games for your for your brag tags, which which are needed. You want your brag tags. 
for your recruiting, for for your program momentum, for all that stuff, you know, for just for you to enjoy. Like, yeah, we had another, you know, top 10 finish. You, you need all that stuff. So all this stuff's important. November is fantastic. Notre Dame hasn't lost a November game since 2017. Uh, neither has Brian Kelly. <laughs> uh, it's just, this is, this is a lot better than it was in September. <laughs> it's a lot better than it was in uh, early October. <sighs> I mean, this is why I wrote the article, Brennan, about being pissed off about those initial playoff rankings. Had nothing to do with the rankings, had everything to do with Notre Dame pissing away the opportunity to be in a position to to be in the playoff. You piss that away with Marshall and you piss that away with Stanford. I mean, just just change one of those one of those L's to a dub. You just change the Stanford game to a dub. How what where's how's Notre Dame being viewed? They're number ten in the nation. I mean, they're in the same position LSU's at. And then the entire narrative behind this Clemson game is not – it's not Notre Dame – or Clemson lost to some shitty Notre Dame team. Suddenly it's – Notre Dame is for real. Right. Right. And we can and we could keep calling the Marshall game just a trap game like I was doing <laughs> – like I was doing on that three-game win streak we went on. <laughs> like, ah, oh, Marshall was just a trap game. It happens. Yeah, last no. me fumbled and uh, that's why I listen. That's why I fucking was shouting so hard about that about the refs in the Stanford game and that fumble. People are too quick to try to take the high ground and be like, "Oh, that's not how you, we shouldn't be in that position." Anyways, fuck you. We were in that position. Doesn't matter if we should have been or not. We were, that's and we got that's... hosed. They they cut the rope for us trying to get out of the hole. A dub is a dub, man. If any, if Brian Kelly taught us anything over the last decade is winning is hard and we will take a win over a loss any day. And when you, when you're sitting there looking at things that clearly affected your ability to win, like refs calling fucking things, not fumbles when they were that, that does it right there. That's, that's why I point that out. That's why I obsess over it because that changes a stupid loss into a stupid win and stupid wins are way better. And that puts that Notre Dame would be a two loss team right now, ranked the top 10 and definitely looking at the new year six and still having like an outside shot of the goddamn playoff. I mean, honestly, if this is just such a bipolar year for Notre Dame football, Marcus Freeman has been right about this since the, since they asked him. And he's like, we're a very good football team that doesn't play good all the time. Well, they're a very good football team that's playing really good right now. So we'll take that. And hopefully that momentum just moves forward. Ugh. Speaking of moving forward and momentum, home field apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Use the code one foot on your first order. Say 15%. They got it all boys. They got it all girls. Go over there, grab all your gear that you can get. Be proud. Uh, we kept hearing whispers of Clashmore Mike on the campus. I don't know what that's about. Maybe there's something coming up. There's a gorgeous Clashmore Mike shirt over there. Uh, it is definitely hoodie season in full effect. Go over there, get your hoodies. It is also Christmas season. Cause I know Brendan's rocking out to the Christmas music uh, at home right now. I got my Christmas tree up. 
and ready to go. Uh, and we got to buy presents. And there's no better present, I'm telling you, than than any of this home field gear for your loved ones, friends, uh, even like a white elephant gift. I mean, what could be more fun than like dropping in at a Youngstown state? Say you're out in California, all your friends, everyone lives out in California. Uh, but you drop in this Youngstown state shirt that has a penguin on it uh, with, with the state of Ohio. That's a great white elephant gift. Uh, so you can get all that and more over at homefieldapparel, homefieldapparel.com. Use the code one foot, save 50%. Brandon, is there anything else from the from the day Saturday, either Notre Dame or or nationally that that you want to um, you want to talk about? You want to top off with? <laughs> if you haven't dealt by now, we've had some major connection issues throughout this entire podcast. So I asked him that question. He's not on right yeah, now. Yeah, That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you are. Yeah, yeah. I, I had myself on mute. I feel really good about Notre Dame. Um, I feel good. Uh, it, it was an electric experience. It's it's very surreal. Um, I, you know, my brother-in-law asked me about it. He was like, is that the best Notre Dame experience you've ever had? And it's like, yes, it is. But at the same time, it's like, uh, you, you know, when you win and blow out fashion, there's something about it that, like, it feels cathartic. But at the same time, like, if you ask me my favorite Notre Dame, um, you know, experience, it's it's a closer game, and and I kind of alluded to this, like if Notre Dame had won this game, uh, if Clemson got off the mat a little bit, would would have narratively have been better, and probably yes, uh, probably would have served better if Clemson would have, um, you know, done a little bit more, as silly as that sounds, um, but. I, I'm, I'm just very, uh, I'm very excited for that. The fact that Notre Dame has finally found their identity, specifically running the football. I think maybe there was some apprehension early on with Tommy Reese. He was like, this isn't the offense that I want to run. But in this football game, I think that there was some reservations. This is the offense that I'm going to run. And I think that that it, admitting that this is what you have to do to win football games. And this is recognizing your identity and moving forward with that. Um, I think Notre Dame has a very real shot to, to carry out the rest of this season and um, watch a lot of USC. Can't wait to see what that uh, USC uh, USC defense has to do with a team that's willing to just cram it down <laughs> their throat. Like Homer Simpson hey, you know, and how we didn't even bring up. We didn't even bring up Tommy Reese coming down from the tower. He did. He did come down from the tower. Uh, I got pictures of Tommy Reese talking to Drew Pine Early. on the sidelines. Yeah. I got pictures of Tommy Reese talking to Drew Pine on the sh- on the side. That was a. Uh... <laughs> that was a, that was kind of a surreal moment. Uh, like like we just willed that to exist. They come down from the tower. Um, so that was fun. And they, uh, they had clips of that on on TV and, and highlights and all that. And honestly, just watching Tommy come down to interact with, with pine after the game, it was just like, again, this was a nine for 19, 85 yards or whatever the stat line was one touchdown game. Nine for 17. He got the win. Yeah. Tommy Reese has taught us anything over his entire career at Notre Dame player and coach 
is winning is hard and just get the goddamn win. Drew Pine did everything that he needed to do Saturday to get the win. And that's all you could ask for. And he deserves to swag walk. He got himself a rushing touchdown. I mean, (laughs) I mean, everything about it just screamed, you know, like this is a, this was fun. Um, I, I just, I really enjoyed seeing that. I really like Tommy and, and Buckner too, down there, uh, shooting the ship. Like just, they were partying it up and they deserved every, every bit of that. Um, the whole scene at Notre Dame man. field, that locker room had to be just out of control. Um, uh, it's not like Wisconsin volleyball girls locker room, I imagine. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, it had to been just, just such a release, uh, to get that, uh, to get that win and, in the fashion that they did it. Oh, excited, man. God damn. This is, it's going to take me a while for this win to really set in. Like what, like what we were there to witness. It was just awesome. I've never seen a, a negative 200 uh, quarterback rating either in this, in stat form. <laughs> yeah. Just that point. Uh, all hail Kale Club, Nick. <laughs> uh, Chris Vizino is licking his chops. Uh, all right. Well, hope, hopefully the uh, this podcast wasn't too hard to a lot of break it up. It was a little too hard to follow. This is this was definitely something we should have done on the drive home. This is this would have been too fun. The drinking and driving probably would have been frowned upon though. Uh, <laughs> by by God, by the people, and by the cops. So, you got anything left in the tank, man? Before we get out of here? Nope, that'll do it for me. Yeah. This I, there's not much more to say. This this was awesome. This was fantastic. We want more of this. Uh, when I bitch about certain teams being on the schedule, and you're saying, "Well, do you want?" Uh, yes, man. I I want bigger games. I want Notre Dame Stadium to have two two of these games a year or three of these games a year. You know that's why the SEC, right or wrong, gets the gets the cachet, man, because they get they get. They get multiple games like this at home. A lot of these teams do each year. They got some real dumpers, but they got a couple of biggies. Uh, this was Notre Dame's real biggie this year, and they everything about it, uh, they knocked out of the park. The 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 gameplay, the fans, uh, just the general atmosphere. The 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 stadium DJ did a great job. Everything about it was just well, well done. The, the uh, and a lot song. of fun. So. I was in the six pack song. Let's like, finish this season off. Let's let's let's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, the fact Mo Bamba gets played in Notre Dame stadium just still, still cracks me up. I don't know why it does. It just absolutely cracks me up. Um, love it. Love every bit of it. And we'll, that, that scene between uh, the third, you know, between third and fourth quarter, you know, you and I talked about it up in the box, like looking down Clubs and players were just fucking done. And you look across Notre Dame's sideline and every, there, you had like three or four different dance groups going off. I mean, they want that social media cut. They want whoever's got the camera getting them dancing on there. But it was just like two totally different sidelines um, and you know, celebrating in the dark, cell phone lights. God, it was just, it was a lot of fun um, and a lot of fun to watch. But let's finish this thing off, man. Get, Two more games before we head out to LA. And uh, there's a lot of damage Notre Dame can do. Notre Dame is affecting the college football playoff, whether they're in it or not. This game against Clemson was definitely, definitely one of those games. Uh, and I'll take that. 
especially after the th way things started, I'll, I'll definitely take that. So, all right, let's get out of here. For Brendan, for our good friend Jude, may he get all the rest he needs this week. Uh, and for everybody over at One Foot Down, thanks for listening. And as always, Irish. <laughs> <laughs>